um, this is something that I, I immediately found out is that if, if I'm able to use the idea of blockchain and combine it with identity, that this will in the end change the world. Hi guys, my name is Marcel and I'm here today with Oliver Negeler and we will talk about his life and how he came into the blockchain space. Oliver, the first question for you, what would be your catchphrase? Founding a company is not a short sprint. You need to be persistent and focused until you're successful. Mm -hmm. And what is your experience maybe with this quote? So how did that quote relates to your life? We see that within this Web3 space, there are a couple of companies getting into the space, want to be successful overnight. There's mm -hmm. a, so to say, always this glamour thing that you see from the outside, but from the inside, working in a company, doing technology is always more than the thing that you see from the outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Let us start with your childhood. Where have you been raised and how was your childhood? Well, <laughs> you need to understand that I'm uh, a bit older, so I'm <laughs> a, the, the pre-internet age. So I've been, I've been born in Leverkusen and raised in, uh, in, a, in a small town near Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, no smartphone. Uh, I was working on a, um, when I was able to do, uh, on, a, uh, on a very old computer with, an, uh, with a small display. It was complete crap. But we, we were at least able to do uh, crazy things with it. Mm -hmm. yeah? So um, my main part is within this region, I would say, and um, being yeah, always like three hours in some kind of buses or trains <laughs> driving to school, <laughs> driving back from school. So I had a lot of time to think, mm. <laughs> maybe to call it a bit uh, positive. Mm. Um, and I was always interested in technology. Mm. Super interesting. When was the first time you used a computer and how do you remember this moment? Yeah, but that, that's really, I mean, it, 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 it sounds, I, I guess it sounds super uninteresting <laughs> <laughs> because those are, were the days where we were looking for some Texas Instruments TI-99. My, my father was traveling a lot because he was a, a chemist, chemistry uh, guy, and he was um, um, bringing this from, from the US. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing is, of course, um, getting this to Germany at that time, um, the AC adapter wasn't working, you needed 110 <laughs> volt. Uh, it was NTSC from the video format, <laughs> so it was, it was a mess. Mm. Yeah, so at least I, I was able to do something with it. So that was my, so to say, my first computer. Yeah. Um, we had crazy looking smartphones uh, late, much, much later. Uh, but that sounds like I'm a dinosaur, you know. So, <laughs> but that's actually my, my, my first connection uh, into this whole whatever. It, mm. I wouldn't even call it IT world at that time. Just, it was just a tool. We're doing uh, things for, for companies in, in the meantime to get some money. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what interested you so much about IT and technology? Because you said you were always a tech guy. So what was so interesting about all this kind of stuff? Um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm coming from a, an academic family. Mm -hmm. yeah? um, and um, so everybody, so to say, need to find their niche mm -hmm. <laughs> within the family. 
<laughs> so my, my niche was so to say um, everything that had some kind of power cord with it. Yeah. So I was repairing uh, hi-fi systems at that time, building high-end systems later. I'm, I'm an uh, electric engineer uh, from uh, TH Darmstadt at that time, uh, yeah. TU Darmstadt nowadays, um, and um, doing all my life yeah, technology. Yeah? Mm. And um, I was mainly going for this route in order to be a musician doing audio systems at that time. Mm. Um, but in a spare time, I always needed to get some money. Mm. So I was doing a lot of DTP systems. Um, I was uh, repairing computer monitors at that time. Uh, and then, uh, like, like overnight, um, a friend of mine needed a system to build up a job portal. So he brought me together with a, with a friend of his. And then we, we started overnight a company, like overnight. And we had like... I don't know, four weeks time um, to get from a, a, just an Excel spreadsheet into a full working website uh, with everything so that um, people that wanted to have some kind of job offers uh, that, that can do uh, everything they wanted. Hmm. So that was like a real jump start. <laughs> and, um, but it, it was really uh, very successful. In the end, it was uh, at that time the biggest job portal in, in Germany. Hmm. Uh, it's still operating and uh, we were doing next to everything with it, programming, uh, doing the, the full hosting, doing the security. Um, so that was, so to say, a jumpstart into this whole IT world. Super interesting. Let us move one step back, um, maybe to your school and uh, your time in school. Did you like it? Were there some, some subjects you liked or how was school for you at this time? That's, that's really a tough question. I mean, um, I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. It was not really tough. Um, I always did the things that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of spare time. That was mm -hmm. the upside. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always had okay, uh, okay grades. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So I, I was never um, supposed to be the, the A++ or whatever. It, that was not my mm -hmm. purpose. And I had, had crazy situations with, uh, with teachers at that time. Some, sometimes it was, there, was, there was one teacher who was really funny because he didn't want to see me in, in classes anymore. So we made a deal saying that, okay, you give me like six points, but you will never ever show up again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, did, I did this and he did his, uh, his thing as well. So it was, was very nice for me. I had a lot of spare time at that time and I was not, the, I was not really rough, but I was the, the one that teachers would not really like to have in class, so to say, maybe. Mm -hmm. But in a, in a nutshell, I mean, it was fine. Yeah? I don't have any negative feelings about school. Yeah? And if you move on to your study, so you already said you studied engineering, yeah. right? I mean, engineering. Uh, was it an easy, uh, easy decision for you to study it, or were there other subjects that you were interested in as well? That, that was an easy decision. I mean, at that time, I was doing a lot of... I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a musician as well, so I'm, I'm mainly a drummer mm. uh, at that time playing in, in bands um, and where we're touring a lot. So uh, that's why uh, doing studies and, and doing music kind of sometimes a conflict. Um, but um, it was quite, quite an easy decision to, to go for, for this, the studies. And uh, that was really tough at that time. 
Um, so about 10% of those that started um, these uh, studies actually um, did it or that, that graduated. Mm -hmm. um, so it took much longer than I, um, than I thought of. And, um, but in, in the end, I mean, it was a good, it was a good and nice uh, surrounding in, in Darmstadt, yeah. Mm. And what about internships? Were there some interesting for you or what was the experience <laughs> with that? At that, time, <laughs> at that time, I mean, being, uh, uh, what we did at that time, we needed to do one internship um, working with metal and mm. everything. So I did this in, with Siemens. Uh, that was quite interesting because most of those guys that actually educated there, they hated us because we're, so to say, the snobby guys. And at that time, I mean, I was, I was building loudspeaker systems, so I was able to be much, much better than the others with those tools. So in the end, they hated everybody except me. <laughs> and uh, so we did this for 13 weeks, um, what was quite yeah, a waste of time, actually. And the other internship uh, that I needed to do, uh, with, I did this in Australia actually with a friend of mine. And that was quite nice because um, that was his uncle. Um, he was one of the telecom guys in, in Australia. He was very rich. So we, we got there. Yeah, we worked at least one day. <laughs> the, other, the other 13 uh, weeks, we traveled in Australia doing diving, uh, backpacking along and, and so it was good internship I can really uh, promote this a lot go to Australia have a good time <laughs> sounds great <laughs> that was my internship actually <laughs> and after you finished your study so you said you already founded your first company is that right from from the timeline so how was that? Was it an easy decision for you to, to directly found your own company or were there opportunities to grow into a typical employee job as well? Yeah, I mean, opportunities are all over the place at that time anyhow. And um, so, but for me, it, it was never a question to be um, on this side of the, of the table. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, doing a lot of different, different stuff at that time. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, and um, I, I don't know how it would behave if I would go to some kind of bigger company or doing consultant stuff. I don't know. But for me, it, it felt right. So I've all my life, I've been on this side of the table. So very easy decision for me. Mm, interesting. Um, now, let us move on to cryptocurrencies, blockchain, one of the main topics. Um, when was the first time you heard about Bitcoin or blockchain? Bitcoin was a bit earlier, but it, I wasn't really interested into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, at that time, uh, I was really very, very deep um, in, in code, working with all those systems that were actually needed to do every day, right? Mm -hmm. So because we were doing this, this, this whole um, yeah, programming, and, and so I didn't really have that much time looking for it. I, was, I heard about it, I found it interesting from the technology side, but nothing that I would say there is a real need for me, so mm. to say, other than storing money or getting some kind of value. But what really um, blew me off was uh, when I um, first read about Ethereum mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I read a lot about it yeah. and uh, discussing and, and finding my way through it. Uh, it was uh, in 2015-16 yeah, um, and it resonated directly, really immediately, because 
what we always figured out how to do it and never really happened to be successful was how to deal with personal data. Yeah? I, all my life at that time, I was always standing with one foot in jail. Yeah. yeah? Because actually, I, I, I mean, you would not like to see what we were building at that time. I mean, we were hosting those stuff in some kind of 19 uh, inch rack systems just in the office. Um, and all those personal data were on those systems and, and there was no security from, from <laughs> accessing those. So that was really tough. Um, and of course, we, we always had, uh, I was building a lot of security around it. Um, but this missing link um, to, to get those data into the hands of those users, um, this is something that I, I immediately found out this, that if, if I'm able to use the idea of blockchain and combine it with identity that this will in the end change the world. Mm. Yeah. And okay, now I understood, okay, Bitcoin was maybe interesting, but not as much as for other people for you. Ethereum was a super great idea. Do you have a third cryptocurrency or a third project maybe related to identity that you like a lot? I mean, what, what, what I really like is the idea of having a second layer on top of Ethereum mm -hmm. um, because then you have this best of two worlds thing. Yeah? So, and, and that's why I'm, I'm really looking a lot into what Polygon is actually mm -hmm. doing. And there's a couple of other things uh, um, that, that are interesting as well. But Polygon itself from, from this whole setup and team is, is I think is very strong. Um, and um, this, this is so to say the one side and the other side is looking into uh, because we're very much related to, to companies as well, um, to see for alternatives that are more intrinsically yeah, driven and motivated by compliance, security, um, this whole governance. So that's why what we're doing with a couple of other partners is what we call this European Public Network that is completely based on Ethereum and with EVM underneath it. But it's so to say bridging the, the current status and what you can do at the moment with the current legal situation. And then having, so to say, a roadmap further on and to make it much more distributed and much, much more decentralized, but to having, so to say, a gateway. So that, that's the two worlds that I'm, I'm in between. I'm very strongly um, convinced that this whole idea of decentralization and, and to having a global part in the end will pay out. But I'm one of those guys that are building things and I want to have this operated and used right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why I have this, so to say, yeah, the, these two worlds yeah. that are uh, in between here. Hi guys, if you like the content, you'll find more podcast episodes with other blockchain experts on this channel. So if you like, just subscribe. And when was the first time you invested maybe in cryptocurrency or are you invested in cryptocurrencies at the moment? Yeah, that, I'm, I'm a builder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course I'm using cryptocurrencies yeah. and of course I'm, but I'm, I'm not a, a typical guy that's, that's in doing investments in, in cryptos, but I'm, I'm a builder and having a wallet, everything. So I'm, of course, I'm very used to cryptocurrencies and I'm, I'm following everything around it because it, it, yeah, it's, it's simply an important topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment. What are maybe your responsibility at Blockchain Helix and what will be maybe the journey for next year? Yeah, so in, with Blockchain Helix, what we're doing is um, we have a, on the one side, a smart ID wallet that covers all the, the legal requirements to have a digital identity that is, so to say, 
within the foundation of what is called a self-sovereign identity. So your data belongs to you. Uh, you're free to, um, to share it with others with certain selective disclosure parts, all those things. So you can, you can add any kind of credential to it, being KYC, being some kind of whatever, an, an, an academic grade or something. So you can store all your belongings in the Web2 world into the Smart ID wallet. But on the other side, what, uh, what we have as well is a Web3 wallet, a full Web3 wallet. It's a, it's a multi-wallet, so you have um, how, whatever kind of wallet you can import, you can create new ones. And then you, we have uh, the ability for you, like, like a MetaMask wallet, you can buy cryptos in it, send and receive. Uh, we have a, a very sophisticated uh, approach that you cannot lose your seed phrase anymore. All those things. Um, and you can store your NFTs with it, all those, all those stuff. But the main goal and challenge is to bring it into a lifestyle product, yeah? so that people are using it on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're doing with Helix ID. Um, and this, of course, is a, a quite high goal. Um, but I think we're on a very good way here because bringing identity and, and the, this crypto wallet together solves all those issues that we will anyhow see in front of us. And for any Web3 project, it's better to be on the safe side already than to do not have any more this, what is called a freedom to operate. Um, so that's why having this, this intermediary in between is something that I think it resonates a lot with Web3 projects nowadays. Mm -hmm. how, is your uh, how big is your team at the moment at Blockchain? We have uh, five guys uh, and, and girls um, in the core team. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, around this, we have different freelancers, different teams that are working with us. So that's a quite nice setup for us at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and 20, yeah. um, 23, uh, because you asked about it. Um, yeah, we're, I hope we roll this out in, in, a, in a much, uh, much bigger way that we, that what we could do at the moment, because right now it's, um, this is all set up as such. But in 2023, we will really roll this out and, and make some noise about it, of mm -hmm. course. What do you think are the biggest obstacles for you at the moment? So maybe as a founder, you start a journey and you think, okay, maybe that's an obstacle and I have to achieve that. But on a, on a journey, you always learn more as a founder and maybe there are new obstacles coming up. So what were maybe, or what were the ob obstacles that surprised you? I mean, Obviously, one of the, the biggest challenges that we all faced was this whole pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, we were uh, having a, a lot of different projects with bigger companies or so bigger industry players. And uh, the first thing that always closes down is the innovation part because, yeah, so that, that was really a challenge for us. Um, of course, this, this whole thing that, that we find out right now with having a war in, in Europe uh, is a challenge as well. And we see that um, coming from this, it has those two different yeah, edges to it. So on the one side, we see that investors, are, it's, it's a bit like German angst, you know, <laughs> it's something, it, 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 it is somehow crazy because um, I think that those people that are going in, in innovation and what we're doing, in the end, they will be very successful. But in the meantime, so to say, um, everybody needs to, some, to somehow process everything that, that's around them. And we feel this quite a lot, so that there is a, there's a quite a resistance right now getting into investments as they did like five years ago. Yeah, we see this very strong. Um, but on the other side, 
from regulatory side, we do not see that much of a, um, of a challenge, to be honest, because it helps us a lot. Yeah? It, it com it's coming towards our way that we anyhow do this. Um, and resistance, I mean, there, there's a lot of resistance, of course. I mean, doing something that what we're doing in, in Germany is a, is, a, mm. is a real challenge. But we always say that if we do it in Germany, we can do it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so besides digital identity, I personally see um, three different hot topics at the moment, DeFi, NFTs, and the Metaverse. What is maybe your personal ranking of those three topics? Yeah, the interesting is that if you if you name it like like DeFi, mm. yeah, you need identity, <laughs> you need a wallet. <laughs> um, metaverse, you need to connect to Metaverse. We're right now in talks with um, providing access to Metaverse with our wallet as well. Um, NFTs, the same thing. So there's soulbound tokens, for instance, that is coming very close to identity. And anyhow, having ownership always resonates a lot with identity itself. So you, you can name it as such. You always need yep. an identity and, and, and you can substitute identity with a wallet as well, if you like. Mm -hmm. yeah? So it's, it's a, so the, the, the minimal of, minimum approach of a, having an identity. Um, all of those things resonates a lot with me. I think they're anyhow interconnected. DeFi is a bit of a special topic here. Uh, I think that DeFi, the, the player in DeFi, they really need to think of if they find some kind of ethos to be better prepared for what's coming up, you know, because if you look at those yeah, scandals, I mean, we do not need to talk about this. There's so much things and, and most of them is coming from either central players that has to do somehow connected to DeFi, anything that is with uh, interconnected with money always brings those bad actors in. Um, so it, there need to be some kind of way to really mitigate those risks to this whole uh, this whole ecosystem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, I think uh, there's a lot of ed education that is needed to to use DeFi applications and to really identify the decentralized ones and not using the more centralized version, the more scammy ones, and then. Yeah. I mean, j before you just came, I yeah. just needed to to type. That was. Um, a public hearing for Deutsche Bundestag that will be on spot tomorrow. I don't know when you will send this out, but this is on the 14th of December. Mm. And this is regarding uh, Web3 and Metaverse mm. and how, how, what is needed to regulate it, how to protect consumer rights, all those things. And um, based on that, I'm uh, one of the chairs of the Blockchain Association Germany. Uh, we did a, um, a public announcement for this and, and answering certain questions. I, the, the last two nights actually had like a, a team of 30 um, uh, enthusiasts, a lot of lawyers, and I was, uh, I was steering those, this team to really bring um, the, the necessary surroundings, so to say, for all of us uh, within this public realm and political realm. Uh, and this is something that, of course, is super important is, is something that hopefully somehow will pay out because the wallet anyhow is somehow connected, but we'll see. But it's, it's really important. Yeah. Mm, true. If you move on to NFTs, do you see a specific killer use case for NFTs? Because NFTs, you can use it for uh, tickets and many, many more use cases. What's your personal killer use case? I mean, there's, there's one use case that I'm right now building on, mm. um, but to answer it on a, on a different other level, I see NFT more as a document type. Mm. Yeah? 
because I think that fits much better into what an NFT actually is. Because an NFT for me is mainly a container yeah, mm -hmm. that can hold rights and, 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 and give certain value to it and it's exchangeable and, and those things. But in a nutshell, um, it cannot be described as something like this and like this and like this. And then you're like, what is it? It's all over the place. Yeah. So what can you do? You can store an identity with it. You can store, like you said, tickets. I really like the idea of tickets, actually. Um, but you can do so, so much more with it. Yeah. So I see it more as an intrinsic document type that you can use. And the content and the utility around it is something that you can actually yeah, twist in the way that you, you, you need it. Mm -hmm. yeah? what, I'm, what we're doing is um, having a wallet. And of course, we need to provide certain access to whatever, if it's a, if it's a, stock, a stock option uh, assembly, um, but we need to provide access to it. And we need, we need to provide access in a way that this is of, on one side soul bound to, to a, a specific holder that is pre-verified with us so that it cannot be exchanged. And on the other side, what we need there is um, we need to have a way to um, instantly check if a, spe a specific condition at that moment in time is still valid. Mm. So we're, um, we're crossing, so to say, the, um, the static part with a lot of dynamic components to it with a different uh, visibility saying that uh, a certain behavior as such has a visible component being so to say green, um, yellow and red for some kind of um, showcasing and then providing um, a utility for those that need to interact with a holder of this token. So that's what we see as a, a very interesting you know, opportunity when it comes to NFTs. Mm -hmm. And if you talk about the metaverse, so a lot of guests of mine are really skeptic about that. Do you see the metaverse built on a blockchain layer or do you see a metaverse more on a centralized database? I mean, from the, from the database layer, um, I'm, I don't care mm. <laughs> <laughs> because um, we're doing a lot of database work as well. And um, there, what, what you have, if you work on it from the, from, the, from the technical part, you have those middle layers and you can work with abstraction layers as well in between. Yeah? So uh, for me, the metaverse itself um, from, the, from the blockchain or database layers is not, I don't care, to mm. be honest. Um, the other thing, but I think is, is much more important is what you want to do with it. And if it's somehow interoperable and if you find a player that is big enough to create something that really drives value. I don't believe that this will be meta because they really fucked it up <laughs> already. And um, I, don't, I don't see this, to be honest. I, I think that everything that when it comes to this open metaverse, I think this is very fascinating what will be what will be doable with it when certain things go in the wrong in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the metaverse on one side, AR, VR, so all those things, um, it's a bet in the, for the future. But I think when you look at, from, look at it from the, the marketing aspect and from uh, how to actually bring people in, it is more of an extended social media part. 
Yeah, I think that's that's why Mita anyhow needed to go this route. And their question is um, if those big brands will follow up with it. Right now, there's already a lot of money in it. <clears throat> I believe that it will be successful, but I do not know if it if it will be the metaverse that we see now or if it will be the next wave. Um, I'm 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 not skeptic. Um, the only thing that I see is that if I would consider to work um, on something like this, it need to be connected to a wallet. Mm. Yeah, and then yeah. The intrinsic idea is okay. Then you you can put a blockchain underneath it. Yeah, but it, it doesn't need to be a blockchain, but it can help to be with it. Yeah, yeah of course it can enable specific features to to the customer in the end, like for example NFTs or integrating NFTs. Yeah, sure. Um, if we take a look back, maybe to your more personal life, what was maybe the biggest obstacle in your life that you have to overcome? Was it to found your first company um, or what was it in, in your opinion? Oh, good, good question. I mean, founding a company, I don't care. Mm. Yeah. It, of course, it's, it's a certain hurdle here in, in, in Germany, but if you want to do it, you will, you will do it. Yeah. Yeah? It doesn't matter actually. Um, obstacles in a way to um, to be successful, um, and I don't know if we're successful, um, is you need to you need to bring those different teammates into your into your um, uh, environment. Yeah, environment um, that that operate in their specific expertise in a way that it brings you forward. Mm. Yeah, and um, so this whole HR topic uh, is is very very um yeah is very very important on one side but very challenging as well to be honest yeah finding um the right guys and girls that actually really burn for what they're doing and um go this extra mile yeah this is something that i i see as a as a real challenge um i'm i'm looking a lot at the moment into ideas of holacracy and 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 participation that you can work with freelancers and teams of expertise uh, to have more on um, this this loose um, dependency with it um, and that's why we're building right now for instance an intrinsic token into our system to be to be more yeah to have this um, the ability to to connect to to those experts in the field and I don't see that those experts are looking for typical traditional jobs anymore, but they, they're only looking for opportunities where they really have fun on the one side, where they, they can do what they love and don't care about anything else. So I think this is something for me that's, that's really the most challenging part, to be honest. Mm. And what's maybe the best advice that, we, that you can give to other entrepreneur out there? I mean... <sighs> What, let, let me see if I wrote something down. I wrote something down that I should, of course, uh, name my team, yeah, and uh, to be passionate ab about everything that you're doing, yeah. Um, yeah, staying optimistic and believe in your in your vision. Mm. <laughs> it's always like yeah. it's always a good advice. <laughs> but but I believe really to have the 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 right people at the right time, having an, a vision, and you follow this vision as a north star. This is something that. That is, that's the most important part here. Yeah, 
And if you do something that you anyhow do not like, just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> do something else. <laughs> do something else. And there's so many opportunities out yeah. there. And anyhow, I mean, if you're clever enough, and I think we're all clever, mm. um, and the, the, the moment that you find something that you love, you're like 5,000 yeah. percentage more productive and, and be on the spot. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Hi guys, if you liked the episodes, don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you have to give yourself, maybe at the age of 16 or 18, a personal advice, what would it be? Uh, maybe more for the personal life, not so much on the business side. For my personal life? I mean, I, I think that this, there's always this idea of a work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Mine is more a work-work balance. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So maybe this is something that uh, if I'm if I'm looking back, like in, in in five years or so, I will regret not to do certain things that might be yeah might be more important at that time. I I can't tell, um, but I would not regret regret anything anyhow because it's it's a, it's my my decision so to say. But a, a, a certain advice for my younger self, the main part is is being optimistic and find the right people um, to start something that really kicks ass. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if I now maybe take your computer, you cannot work for let's say two weeks, so work is forbidden, what would you do? Uh, for me that's quite easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm somebody who's um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking graphically maybe, mm -hmm. yeah. So what I'm, I'm doing is if I need a pen and, and paper, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and then I'm mainly doing all my work on paper. I, I'm not, I'm not related that much to a computer, to be honest. Uh, so um, I'm doing everything that I'm doing with sketching certain things and and, um, and and having workflows and those things. I just need a, a pen and paper. And actually, I'm I'm, st I'm still working with it. I have an, an iPad with a. It's it's super nice, but I, it it never resonated with me. I'm always using a pen and paper. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so I'm I'm not that that dependent on the on IT. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm somehow I'm of course it. I, one of the of the things that I will change in in 2023 is um, uh, touching my my iPhone only like 30 minutes in a uh, only every 30 minutes so to say because it's you. It, it sometimes you you it, it feels completely crazy. Yeah, you're always fooling around with it and it's something that um, that I will change mm -hmm. yeah like every two hours checking checking your mails like every two hours is enough checking social media every two hours is enough yeah <laughs> and in the in the meantime you have really time to work and to to um, switch on your brain yeah and that's maybe that's the that's my advice for for my younger self <laughs> <laughs> perfect um Let us maybe take a look into the future, 2023. What do you expect for the market? So at the moment, to the end of 2022, we are in the beer market. Of course, a lot of stuff is getting built. How do you see 2023? Are the markets going up again? Will there be big new projects out there from big companies, maybe from small companies? What do you see? I mean, big companies always take time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we already see that there's uh, most of the of the love brands and, and big brands moving into the space anyhow because they're always looking for opportunity. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite easy and it's, it's, it behaves natural for them, but they will, it will take a bit of time. Um, I see that there's a, a very strong vibe 
nowadays what we found like two or three or maybe four years back in, in this what's called blockchain, there was a certain vibe in blockchain. Hmm. Now this vibe is revived, so to say, with Web3. In a nutshell, it's the same thing, but it has utility to it. And I see that this, this movement, movement is very, very strong. Uh, I believe that, I mean, those guys that are working in it, they're super, super intelligent guys. They, they know what they're doing. They're very, very fast. We see that um, there's, that the, the creativity is huge. Um, what I find interesting is that the marketing guys are very, very strong in Web3 and marketing always drives adoption. Mm -hmm. yeah? And this is what I think is um, what we will see in 2023, maybe in the, in the second half of 2023. For us, the nice thing is that every Web3 project always needs a face of the customer. They all need a wallet. <laughs> That's the good news for us. Um, and um, from, from the bear market perspective, the bear market is mainly focusing towards crypto and um, everything that uh, it comes to DeFi. Uh, Web3 is much, much bigger. Um, Metaverse will, will still take a lot more time. Yeah, I, I don't believe in 2023 that we see a real adoption to it, to be honest. Um, the NFT space, I think that will grow a lot um, because people will find out that with a new document type, you can do a lot of things. Um, and um, I believe that we will see a lot of new players in the market that are coming from, yeah, from the idea of setting up a brand. Yeah. Not that much the technology side because that will somehow going into the background. Mm -hmm. um, so I see that um, the marketing guys wanting to build up brands, finding their way through Web3, finding some, some guys that actually can really compete with what they want to do. I think that that's really dynamite. Interesting. And for you personally, so what do you expect 2023? The, the typical answer <laughs> is always to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, for us, the, the, the main thing is um, we've, we're in the space very, very long already. Mm -hmm. yeah? And uh, we're building a lot, we're educating a lot, we're doing a lot of groundwork and doing a lot of um, connectivity, building, um, educating and everything. So what I think what will be in 2023 is that it simply pays out for us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super happy if we, if we will become part of, different other projects so we can bring them together into our marketplace as well so that we have this sort so to say this yeah this this interconnectivity with with this wallet type um, and um, I hope that I will have some some spare time to do music in 2023 to be honest um, and and bringing this whole idea further yeah thanks a lot um, so if one of our audience members uh, want to reach out to you what would be the best channel or social media channel for that yeah, that's that's actually LinkedIn, to be honest. Yeah, we we're on uh, Instagram with uh, Helix ID, um, and Twitter as well. But LinkedIn is is the easiest way to reach me directly. Um, the other side, if you want to get in touch with us, go to the website or uh, write us. And it's it's quite easy to find us somewhere. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> thanks a lot for John. It was a pleasure. And yeah, thanks course, a lot. To you. Looking forward to the next po uh, next podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.